0: While you're lying in bed, do you feel like someone is watching you? Do you ever go for a late evening walk when the shadows are long on the ground and feel like you're being followed? The dark is mysterious and holds secrets that disappear when light washes them away. We may never know what the darkness really holds, but sometimes we get hints. Sometimes the darkness has eyes. They watch us with intrigue, making the hairs on the back of our necks stand on end. We catch their movement from the corner of our eyes. They follow us as we journey through our lives. What do they want? Are they just curious? Or maybe jealous? Or maybe something else? Let's hope we never find out. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing shadow people, tall, shadowy, and vaguely humanoid specters whose presence brings an unshakable feeling of doom. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, And be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Catherine's 37th birthday was both bitter and sweet. It was not only her birthday, but moving day for her 18-year-old son, Jeremy. After 18 years of raising him alone, and almost every moment of her life revolving around him, she would finally have the chance to focus on herself. So today, even though she was sad to see him go off to college, she was also excited about his future and hers as well. She had been Jeremy's age when she gave birth to him. It was her senior year in high school, and she had never had a boyfriend. So when she was asked to the prom by her longtime crush, she was over the moon with excitement. To make a long story short, prom night she not only lost her virginity, but became pregnant. Her crush not ready to be a father, went off to college, and she stayed. She was not bitter, Jeremy was the light of her life, but she was ready to have a life that she could call her own. She had been taking online college classes for the past three years. She worked at a local bank during the day, and in the evenings when Jeremy didn't have a ball game, she would cram in as much schoolwork as possible She would begin her last year of courses when she returned home after leaving Jeremy safely at his dorm. School, dating, being alone, all of these things were running through her mind as she traveled down the dark winding Highway 71 that evening. She was lost in her thoughts until her tire left the road, causing the car to jerk. Her heart lurched and she rotted the car as she scolded herself for not paying better attention. This was one of the most dangerous roads in Arkansas. Hundreds of people had died on this same route. Thirty minutes later, Catherine had relaxed again and had to stifle a yawn. She had another hour to go. It would not do well for her to doze off. It could be days before anyone found her car if she was to fall asleep and drive off one of the steep curves down into a ravine. She cranked up the A.C., turned on the radio, and sat up straighter in her seat trying to fight fatigue. The radio played back static as she began searching for a station. She had lost focus on the road only for a moment, but a moment was long enough for disaster to strike. When Catherine looked back to the road, something dark ran out in front of the car. She hit the brakes hard, but it was too late. The impact was a loud thump followed by something crashing into her windshield and tumbling over and down the back of the car. When the car finally came to a stop, she slammed it into park and frantically tried to release her seatbelt. She didn't have a flashlight, so she grabbed her phone and the small can of mace that she kept in her console, just to be safe. Stepping out of her car, she noticed that it was eerily quiet, not the sound of another car for miles, or even nature for that matter. It was like the crickets and the owls had stopped to watch the spectacle that was playing out before them. Catherine cautiously approached the back of the car, expecting to find an injured animal laying there, but what she found made a wave of nausea roll over her. It was a man, a very old man by the look of him. He was thin and haggard, with a scraggly gray beard that reached his chest. His face was dirty and covered in blood. He lay there, limp and unresponsive. She couldn't tell if he was breathing or not, and she knew better than to touch him. She had no medical training whatsoever. She squatted down close to him to see if she could hear a breath or see his chest move, but there was nothing that she could detect. Doing the only thing she knew to do, she dialed 911, but just as the operator answered, the man's hand shot out and grabbed her by the wrist, nearly knocking the phone from her hand. Catherine gasped, and her first reaction was to jerk away from his grip. Then empathy took over, and she tried to console him. It's okay. I'm here with you. I've called for help. Just relax. His grip loosened, but he didn't let go, so Catherine moved her phone to the other hand. She went through all the steps that the operator requested, answering every question. She was listening to the sounds of a keyboard coming through the phone, when she heard the man begin to mumble something. He is trying to say something, she told the operator. Give me a minute so I can see what he is saying. She held the phone to her chest and moved in closer. His words didn't make any sense. The shadow man will follow you now. And you, (coughs) you will pay. He muttered while choking on his own blood. Before Catherine could even form a question to ask him, the man's grip on her arm went limp and his hand fell to the ground. Oh God, he passed out, she told the operator. The operator instructed her to check for a pulse, so she did, but found none.
1: This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode in Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, And I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Have you ever seen what appears to be a shadow person or dark figure with your own eyes? Close or far away? Maybe out of the corner of your eye or during a dream state? Perhaps you have felt the sensation of someone standing behind you, and then you turn around, but no one was there. It may have been a shadow person. Shadow people are different than spirits and ghosts. They are dark in color. Shadow is the absence of light, and so facial features, clothes, and other details are generally completely undetectable. These shadowy figures will simply appear in a humanoid form, seemingly made from the shadows themselves. They could be the size of an adult, but you may see them appear as small as a child. You might see them in the corner of a room, moving through walls, or lurking in the bushes just before dark, and they may move extremely quick once you've taken note of them. The shadows may appear solid or like swirling smoke, and although it's more common to see shadow people at the edges of your vision, you might be unlucky enough to encounter a shadow person face-to-face. One thing to take note of is that shadow people are often described as having glowing red eyes. Shadow people have existed in every culture since prehistoric times. Many ghosts and demons in folklore share striking similarities to these shadow people, being tall, dark, and vaguely humanoid specters whose presence brings an unshakable feeling of doom, dread, or despair on any unfortunate people who are unlucky enough to meet them. Often these creatures were seen as harbingers for great destruction or catastrophe, such as the death of those who encountered them, the felling of harvests, the coming of plague, or even in some cases, the arrival of a natural disaster, such as a flood or earthquake. Shadow people have been scaring humans for thousands of years, but does anyone really know what they are? The most common form a shadow person presents itself in is the classic shadow being, which is described as dark, inorganic, phantom-like, bipedal figures that look just like a dark black shadow of a figure, but don't seem to quite have a full human form, or facial, or body definition. They feel very strong and oppressive and like something that is beyond human and out of our scope of understanding. Shadow beings have become a hot topic in the paranormal world. They have been a phenomenon since ancient times, yet it is only in recent decades that they have been named shadow beings. Although shadow people are often described as ghost shadows or ghost people, the truth is that they seem to behave in an entirely different way to other spirit phenomena. Glowing orbs, ectoplasm, and distinguished features are rarely ever seen around these shadow ghosts, although they are seen very commonly around areas of other ghostly and spiritual activity. It seems that shadow people are seen alone and act alone, which lends credence to the theories that they may be beings from another interdimensional plane, aliens, time travelers, or even something that we're not entirely sure how to define. If they are spirits or ghosts, one theory suggests that these shadows represent human spirits that are simply lost on this plane. They don't look the same as other spirits, with facial features and clothing that we can recognize, because they haven't yet embraced their state of being, leaving them with an absence of the light that most spirits encounter upon moving on to the next plane after death. This absence of light means that we see them as shadow, This theory suggests that these shadow ghosts are trapped because they cannot move on, so although they may feel sad and heavy, they're not necessarily an evil or demonic spirit. We see them as shadows simply because of the way our eyes perceive whatever light spectrum that these shadowy figures exist within. Another theory for shadow people is that they are in fact demonic in nature simply due to the dark thoughts often experienced by those who encounter them. Again, this is often at odds with what you might experience when encountering neutral spirits or other entities. These kinds of dark malevolent and intrusive thoughts tend to be associated with demonic beings. Encounters are often accompanied by feelings of intense dread and often, and often, witnesses to these shadow people do not feel like they are or have been in the presence of a being that was once human. The most popular answer to the question, what are shadow people, tends to lean towards a type of interdimensional being. Aliens is often believed to be the answer, and it's not quite as crazy as it sounds. Many people believe that aliens are already here on Earth and are simply disguising themselves. Some believe that though they are on Earth, they are in a different dimension, and that these shadows are simply the slip between dimensions. Another theory is that these shadows are simply astral beings or time travelers who have slipped through one dimension or another. Just how these time travelers or astral beings slipped through that dimension is something we don't yet have an answer for. But one theory as to why we may feel dread encountering these beings is simply because A slip in our dimension would have that effect on a healthy human. Some people have seen shadow figures outdoors or in nature settings like forests. The ones that hang out around trees are said to be shadow stalkers. Some say they are protective spirits that guard nature and protect the elementals. They appear as shadow beings but are possibly not harmful. One of the traits of shadow people is that some of them mimic people who see them. So when the person moves, they move too, and when the person stops, they stop too, and so forth. Another noticeable characteristic is that when they travel through the woods, they do not cause the normal nature sound effects you would hear from an animal or person, such as leaves rustling and twigs snapping. Mythology of shadow people dates to early 600 BCE. Ancient Egyptians believed in shadow people and called them Kelbit. Romans believed that these people came from the underworld. They believed that the Kelbit was one of seven souls that each person had. Greeks thought shadow people were literal shadows of themselves, which they often gave up to Zeus as a gift. All these cultures, though, had a common belief. These shadow people were both part of the real world and the metaphysical one. The Roman word for shadow was umbra, also meaning the shade, or the ghost of an individual who went to a place called the Land of Shades. The Land of Shades was believed to be underground or part of an underworld, and after the person died, their shadow went there. In medieval times, cornering a witch and proving her to be one, the shadow played a big part. If someone sold their soul to the devil, then they had no shadow, hence shadow being linked with the soul again. In Europe... People believed that the shadow beings desired blood, and without it, couldn't be reborn. Superstitions and fears spread like the plague concerning a person's shadow. People refused to let their shadows fall on graves, a rumbling river, or near a cliff. The use of the term shadow people became more modern and expanded the ways in which such entities of folklore and mythology are classified. The specific term of shadow people first appears on September 21, 1953, as the title to a radio drama from the Hall of Fantasy broadcast on Chicago's WGN AM station. Later on April 12, 2001, the late night radio show Coast to Coast AM would bring back and modernize a belief in shadow people. On the show, the host Art Bell interviewed a Native American elder by the name of Thunder Strikes also known as Harley Swift Deer Reagan, Listeners to the show were encouraged to submit drawings of shadow people, and those drawings in turn were posted to the show's website. A woman named Stacy Alejos lived in the west side of San Antonio as a young girl, and one night she woke up with a very uncomfortable feeling and felt like she needed to look outside. She got up and went to the window and saw a shadow of a person behind her white picket fence she vividly recalls seeing the shape of a hat she could see the figure moving and terrified she tried to wake up her aunt who was sleeping next to her but she wouldn't wake up kind of like she had been put in a trance or something later in life she met a woman who lived down the street from her with an almost identical sighting there are possible scientific explanations for shadow people the shadow people are recognized as a common hallucination when people suffer sleep paralysis, a condition once blamed on many nocturnal spirits, such as succubi, hags, and goblins. The condition causes the body to become paralyzed, but also causes the brain to remain active, causing horrifying hallucinations and a sense of dread. Shadow people, because of the fear they bring, are seen throughout pop culture. Due to their deep cultural impact dating back to prehistory, the Shadow People have inspired many iconic creatures in popular culture, such as the infamous internet-based horror figure known as Slender Man. They are frequently found in creepypasta material and in media concerning the supernatural. Shadow People, described as Shadow Men, feature prominently in the 2007 novel John Dies at the End. When you kill a person, that person is retroactively erased from existence and history is rewritten as though they were never born. The 2013 horror film Shadow People depicts a fictional sleep study conducted during the 1970s in which patients report seeing shadowy intruders before dying in their sleep. The movie follows a radio host and a CDC investigator who research the story, and the story is claimed to be based on true events. In a 2012 episode of A&E's Intervention series, the subject Skyler is plagued by shadow people, sometimes called phase people, and sprays a mist to unveil them in their refractions. He also builds weapons to fight them and alleges that they are using stolen technology to telepathically communicate with certain individuals. In the online game Deep Sleep and its sequels, shadow people have existed since the dawn of humanity and lurk in lucid dreams. Players who realize that they are asleep can be paralyzed and possessed, and the character's dream self will be turned into a shadow person. We don't know for sure what shadow figures are. In fact, they could be any phenomenon we have talked about so far. They could be ghosts or spirits, astral or time travelers, or aliens. They could be demons or low, heavy souls trapped on this plane. One thing is for sure, you'll never be quite the same again once you encounter one staring you right in the face. It was well past midnight when Catherine made it home. Even though she was exhausted, she had trouble sleeping. She couldn't quit replaying what had happened over and over in her mind. Had it been her fault? Was there something she could have done to prevent the accident? She kept asking herself these questions. She didn't understand why she felt so guilty when she couldn't seem to find any fault of her own. Even if she hadn't been messing with the radio, the man still would have run out in front of her. And his words. What did he mean by them? It was as if he was trying to curse her. He must have been crazy, or just not making any sense because of the blow to his head. A feeling of deep dread began to fill Catherine from within, causing a chill to run across her body, and a sick knot began tightening in her stomach. Her bed was a welcoming retreat from a long, horrifying evening, or at least it should have been. Catherine climbed underneath the heavy quilt and wrapped it tightly around her. Within seconds, she was fast asleep. Her dreams were filled with terrifying visions that eventually woke her. She was panting and soaked in sweat. All she could remember when she woke was that she had been running from something dark and horrifying. The feeling of dread returned and grew stronger. Catherine reached to flip on the bedside lamp when she thought she saw movement at the foot of her bed. She told herself that her mind was playing tricks on her as the light washed away most of the shadows. She looked at the clock on her phone. It was almost 5 a.m. She was going to be exhausted today, but there was no way she was going back to sleep. Getting up, she went to the kitchen to start a pot of coffee. When it was done, she poured a cup and sat at the bar, staring off into space. Catherine was contemplating the ramifications of what she had been through. The nightmare and the feeling of dread may not be that easy to shake off without help. She would call and make an appointment with her therapist as soon as the office opened. When her cup was empty, she rose from her seat to pour another. But as her gaze passed the microwave, she saw something strange. The reflection showed a dark figure standing behind her. Catherine jumped and the cup slipped from her hands and went crashing to the floor. She spun around to search the room. There was no one there. She was alone. Looking back at the microwave, the dark shape was gone. Her mind must be playing tricks on her, probably from her lack of sleep, or so she thought. Leaving the broken pieces of the cup scattered across the floor, she walked through the house, turning on every light. She checked the closets, and under the beds. When she was finally sure that no one was in the house but her, she cleaned up the mess in the kitchen and headed for the shower. The steaming shower soothed her tense muscles to the point she began fantasizing about calling in so she could go back to bed. The relaxing pleasure was short-lived when the lights flickered, bringing her heart to what felt like a complete stop. Catherine was scared to open the shower door, but again told herself she was being ridiculous. Easing the door open, she reached out to grab her towel and steam-filled the tiny bathroom. She quickly dried off and wrapped the towel around her. For some reason, she felt safer closing and locking the bathroom door, even though she was alone. Stepping to the sink, she grabbed her toothbrush squeezed a bit of toothpaste across the bristles and began to brush her teeth. Her eyes eventually made their way to the mirror that she had been, for some reason, avoiding. The mirror was covered with condensation from the shower. Catherine automatically reached up to wipe the condensation away, but what she saw paralyzed her with fear. Over her shoulder. In the darkest corner of the bathroom stood what looked like a man. He was devoid of details. There was no lines of definition. He was solid black. He was staring at the floor, and when he raised his head, his body billowed like smoke and began to fill the bathroom. Catherine's heart began to race and she suddenly hoped that she was still sleeping, and this was another nightmare. Her body still frozen in place, she slowly willed her hand to reach for the door. She glanced back at the smoky black figure before yanking the door open, and the last thing she saw was a pair of glowing red eyes. She could almost feel the heat from them burning into her soul. That was enough to surge adrenaline through her body, and without another thought she took off. But her feet hit the slick tile and flew out from underneath her. Catherine's head hit the bathroom floor with a thud, and immediately her world went dark. The sun was shining when she woke with a pounding headache. When her memory came to her, she scrambled to her feet and looked around for the dark creature that had shared the bathroom with her earlier. To her relief, the bathroom was empty. The relief was not much comfort for the dread that she couldn't shake. With strong determination, and after a good dose of Tylenol, she got ready for work. Catherine had always been a strong and driven person. She would not let whatever this was win. She would stop it before it got out of control. What she didn't realize is that there was no controlling the demon that was stalking her. Catherine saw shadows everywhere, in the backseat of her car through the rearview mirror, following her co-workers throughout the day at the bank, and floating menacingly through her neighbor's hedges. At the end of the day, she was a wreck. Her therapist could not see her until tomorrow. There was only one thing she could do. She went home, made sure all the lights were on, and poured herself a large glass of red wine. She had no appetite, but she made herself eat a croissant before digging through the medicine cabinet for a prescription of sleeping pills that had been there, unopened, for some time. Her bed no longer felt like an escape. The idea of sleeping in it compounded her feelings of dread. So after putting on her lounge pants and T-shirt, Catherine grabbed her quilt and a pillow and headed for the couch, taking her glass of wine with her. She turned the TV on and chose an episode of Friends, something light-hearted to help keep her mind from dark places. She took the pill and chased it with several gulps. Within minutes, she began to nod off. She could hear the phone when it began to ring, but she didn't have the strength to answer it. It was a dreamless sleep that engulfed her at first, but eventually she felt her mind being pulled to consciousness. Her eyes fluttered open, and she looked around the room. The lights were off, even though she had deliberately left them on. The TV was off, too. She tried to sit up, but couldn't. She tried to move her hand, but it refused to cooperate. Her entire body had seemed to deny her any power over it. The only thing she could do was blink. She could feel the thump of her heart beating against her chest so she knew she was still alive, but for how long, she wondered. Then, like a scene from a horror movie, something dark began to rise at the end of the couch. She watched as this dark, smoky figure began to grow, first two arms and then a head without any features. When it completed its transformation, it slowly crawled up Catherine's body until its dark face was close to hers. Catherine held her breath, waiting in terror for what may come next. In an instant, two glowing red eyes shot open on the creature's featureless face and they bore into her. She watched helplessly as beneath the eyes, where a mouth could have been, a dark hole, even darker than its body, began to open. It didn't just open. It grew and grew until it was large enough to wrap around Catherine's head. Catherine tried to fight. She tried with all her mental strength to move, but she couldn't. All she could do was watch as the darkness devoured her. You can't go in there, son, the police officer said as he gently grabbed Jeremy by the upper arm. "'But that's my mom. I have to make sure she is okay,' Jeremy pleaded. "'The officer pulled him aside. "'I need to ask you some questions. "'When was the last time you talked to your mother, son?' "'Jeremy hung his head for a moment. "'Already he knew this was going to be bad. "'I saw her the day before yesterday when she dropped me off at school. "'That's impossible.' the officer told him in disbelief. Son, the woman in that house has passed, but if you saw your mother, then there is no way that it can be her. That woman's body looks like she has been dead for months. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carmen Carrion at gmail.com That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the mysterious yet deadly night marchers. Deadly ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one.